in continuation of the theme that uh, Jim spoke on this morning, we'll read the same scripture that uh, we had for uh, that theme. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Thank you, and you may be seated. Well, I'm certainly happy to be with you this evening, and I'm, I'm very grateful for your presence tonight and for all those who have participated in our worship service. Always very grateful for these men. Thank you, Stan. Thank you, Lon, for leading us in worship tonight. And for all who had a part in our worship, we're very grateful. For the reading of the scripture, the singing of these beautiful hymns, we're always very thankful. And for the fine way that you participated in this worship service is always an encouragement to us. On the front page of the bulletin, I, I wrote a little bit about what I call the rationale for our gospel meeting, and I want to just emphasize once again just a little bit of that for our encouragement as we look at the prospects of a spring gospel meeting starting the first week of April. Uh, the meeting itself is on the theme, I Can Trust My Bible, and it's a subject that's very near and dear to me, and I'm sure it is with you. I think one of the very first places to start is to ask and answer the question, why was the Bible written? And that's what we'll spend our time doing next Sunday morning, Lord willing. We'll see why the Bible was written, and we'll discuss why the Bible was not written, so that we can have the proper focus and understanding of what we're talking about. And then we'll look on Sunday evening at the subject, I can trust my Bible because it is historically accurate. Whenever the Bible does reference history, it does so in an accurate way. And it does not make the mistakes that the common books and thinking of its day made, showing that it was written not by mere men, but by God the Holy Spirit. It is certainly a necessary uh, characteristic that we would look for in a book that claims that it came from God. And the Bible certainly satisfies our historical curiosity and talks about the historical elements and matters of its time. And then on Tuesday evening, Monday evening, we'll look at, I think, a subject that's never really talked about as much as it ought to be in this particular context. I can trust my Bible because it contains advanced understanding of health and medical issues. If you look at the world of the Bible's day and compare the medical understanding of its day and then compare that with the Bible, you're going to see that the Bible far exceeds and is advanced from anything of its day, showing that it was not written by mere men of the day, but it was written by God the Holy Spirit, as certain medical issues are addressed in the Bible. 
And I think it becomes a very interesting discussion and another element in helping us understand how to put trust in our Bible. And then on Tuesday night, we're going to be looking at prophecy, a very interesting subject for me and a very important one for you, I'm sure. And there's no book in the world like the Bible when it comes to the fulfillment of prophecy. And so this one element really proves that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It is both a necessary and a sufficient element in understanding that. And then the last uh, service, I can trust my Bible because it's been preserved through the ages. I wanted to talk about some of the manuscripts. I wanted to talk about the subject of transmission, the transmission of the Scriptures. Not only is the Bible inspired, and we know it is inspired, but we ask the question, do I really have that inspired text? Do I really have what the Holy Spirit inspired these men to write? And the answer to that, of course, is yes, we do, causing us to say that I can trust my Bible. And I hope that every person will come. I hope that many visitors will come. I hope that lost people will come. I hope people who are outside the body of Christ will come and listen to the lessons and study along with us as we consider the evidence that God has given pertaining to our Bible, that they will come to study the Word of God and know it for what it is, the Word of God, and then obey it. Now that leads me to what we were studying today about walking in the light. We're to obey the light, and I talked about that this morning, and one of my favorite verses is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 9. These Bible passages talk about how important the light is. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the life. Uh, Jesus is the one that we are to follow and to obey. He is the example for our life. And in turn, we must uh, follow Him as our Lord. And without that, we can talk all about the Bible we want to. But until we obey the Bible, it's not really going to matter. We can say that we believe the Bible. The Bible's the inspired Word of God. We can say that the Bible's the greatest book that's ever been written. But until we actually obey God's Word, it's not going to make any difference in our lives. It's when we obey it and trust it and fully receive it, in turn, that makes all the difference in the world. And so that's an important point that I emphasize today, and I think that we ought to continue to emphasize each time that we, that we meet. And then I talked a little bit about carrying the light. Another invaluable point, how important it is to carry the gospel of Christ. Thank you for leading those songs tonight, which emphasize the importance of carrying the light. Uh, there's a call comes ringing over the restless waves. Send the light, send the light. I wonder sometimes if we didn't change the wording a little bit and say, take the light, take the light. And rather than say, sing, sing the light, we might sing, take the light. And it really places a different emphasis upon the sentiments of the song and the emphasis that's given to us in the pages of the Bible, that we have a responsibility to carry the light to other places. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we support missionary works here at this congregation, and there uh, we're sending them out, and we're supporting them financially and with our prayers, and we're in contact with them on a regular type of basis, and they're in contact with us. Uh, with it, we're sending that light out. And we want that light to go to all parts of the world. But yet we ought to also be aware of the fact that there's a street on the other side of the house there, that there's a man and a woman perhaps that live there. They need the light too. And then there's friends on the other side of town. They need the light. 
And we need to take the light. We can take the light to the farthest reaches of the world, and we should. But we also should be aware of the fact that we need to take the light across the street and to the neighbor who's next to us and to the one who truly is in need. And then we talked a little bit about stand for the light. And I really think that this is an important point. And I, I rehearse these points, not to be redundant, and I hope that they're not tedious for you, but I want to emphasize them once again, to stand for the Word of God and stand for the light. And we read a passage today, Second John, verses 4 through 11. I think I read just verse 8, 9, and 10 uh, because of our time. But there's a passage that tells us how important it really is that we are to stand up for the cause of Christ and stand up for the Word of God. And living in a day like we are, a day of compromise, uh, a day of uh, such uh, frivolous attitude with regard to Bible authority, uh, a day in which uh, false doctrine and error have had such a prominent effect upon the thinking of people today, we surely as Christian people need to let our light shine by standing up for the light and saying, no, this is not right. We don't do that for this reason or we are doing this for that reason. And not to be ashamed of the light, but to explain to people what the light really is. We're living in a day and a time when that really is given us, God has given us that responsibility. Well, I'd like to continue our thought tonight. And I appreciate very much your coming tonight and your dedication and your devotion to the Word of God and your love for the truth and your desire to learn more what the Word of God actually says in these matters and in all matters, that you would come and be with us this evening. I'd like to talk about a fourth point tonight, and I'll spend a portion of my time on this emphasis, and that is that we've got to live the light. Not only should we obey it, and a lot of emphasis needs to be given to that, to repent of sin, as was said in the prayer, to confess our faith and to be baptized into Christ, but we've got to live it every day after that. We've got to be the kind of people who let our light shine. Matthew chapter 5, a passage we referenced earlier today. And living the Christian life, there are several passages that talk about that in a wonderful way. One is Romans chapter 12. And I turn to that particular passage which emphasizes the importance of me living for Christ day by day. Now that I am a Christian, now that I have obeyed the gospel, now that I'm receiving the benefits of the blood of Christ, how am I to live? You know, there are a number of verses in the Bible that tell us about becoming a Christian. But look at all these books and chapters that tell us about living the Christian life and how important it is. And our emphasis surely should be an equal amount of emphasis on how to live the Christian life to help us in times of temptation and trial. And we'll try to do a little bit about that tonight. Romans chapter 12, beginning verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know... This great book of Romans, really the doctrinal section of it, ended back in the last portion of Romans chapter 8. And there he starts talking about the great mystery which God has uh, given. And he emphasizes that once again and picks up 
with the matter in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 is the second great doctrinal book which we have from the Apostle Paul. The book of Romans would naturally be the first one. And in the book of Romans, he is discussing these matters of the relationship of the individual outside of Christ and how that that individual was dead in sin. And now that he's been baptized, he's been raised to walk in a newness of life. And these Bible passages in a practical way now in the latter portion of the book are emphasizing that important matter. How do we live for Christ day by day in living the Christian life and letting our lights shine? Closely related to that would be Philippians chapter 2. And I naturally think of that particular passage and I turn to it. I'd like to read a few verses tonight. And these passages are designed to admonish us to live for Him day by day. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, keep on working. You've obeyed the gospel. Now keep on living the Christian life and keep on improving. Keep letting your light shine. For it is better who work, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, have this faith and put it into action. That's his point in verse 13. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children. His point in verse 14, be willing. Be willing to live for God. Be willing to do the will of God in your life. He says in verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and a twisted generation, among whom you should shine as lights in the world. In other words, don't be blameworthy in the matter, but shine as lights for the benefit of the world in which you live, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. In other words, be steadfast. Be steadfast in living the Christian life as you should and as the Bible admonishes us. These passages are talking about living the Christian life. Romans chapter 12, Philippians chapter 2. And they're admonishing us in this regard that we should be that kind of person. Perhaps to help us live the Christian life and let our light shine, we ought to think a little bit about how powerful the darkness is around us. That we do face a world that is filled with darkness. For example... In Luke 22, there's a reference there that Jesus made, something as to the power of the darkness that is there. And really, I don't think it takes much thought for us to consider how wicked this old world is and what an influence it has and has had on our lives. Notice in Luke chapter 22, by the time you get to chapter 22, Jesus is in the garden, and there he's prayed that prayer. And you and I studied that matter uh, some time ago, not too long ago. And as the plan and the conspiracy worked itself out, they've come to arrest the Lord. And you'll remember certain incidents that took place there. Why, Peter took out a sword and he cut off the servant's ear. And in a sense, Jesus said, all right, enough of this. There's en- that's enough of that. And he healed that servant's ear back immediately, miraculously. You would think that would be enough to dispel the darkness in the minds of these people. But the point is, the darkness is powerful. And the power of the darkness that's out there, the wickedness out there, sometimes 
we might take for granted. Then he goes along these matters, and then Jesus said to the chief priests, verse 52, and officers of the temple and elders who have come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness and the verses, verse 53. Jesus understood something of the power of the darkness, of the wickedness that was in the world. And it would do us good if we could appreciate that some way. Oh, not in the kind of appreciation whereby we admire it, but in the appreciation where we try to understand its cogency and its influence and its effort to try to undermine us and our soul. We need to live the Christian life and let our light shine and dispel the power of the darkness that really is out there. Let me read about a man who did that. He's found in Hebrews chapter 11. And he serves as a wonderful illustration of the fact that we have the responsibility in this matter of living for God every single day. Isn't this a great story from the pages of the Bible? By faith, verse 23, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months in his, by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather, verse 25, to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I read for you there Hebrews 11 and 25. And it talks about a man who let his light shine. A man who said, I'm going to live with the people of God and for the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And don't you know the temptation and the influence and the pull on Moses must have been strong? raised in the court of the Pharaoh himself, but yet he refused the pleasures of the court. He refused the pleasures of sin and chose rather reproach with the people of God than to enjoy that darkness. He was a man who let his light shine. That's our point. Live the light. Even though the power of the darkness the influence of the darkness is out there, and that it is very influential on our lives. We've got to let our light shine and not be misled in that particular uh, fashion. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, the darkness is something that really uh, harms us and can blind us. And I think that's the imagery that Paul uses here. We need to let our light shine, live the Christian life, because the darkness that's in this world can blind us from the truth if we allow it to happen. And even if our gospel is veiled, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The darkness is so powerful it can keep people, if you let it, if you allow it to happen, from seeing the truth. Sometimes people get so involved in error and sin, they're so jaded by it, they're so involved in it, 
It has such a stranglehold on their lives. They just won't see the truth. They just won't see the Word of God. They're blinded to it. And Paul makes that point here, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, verses 3 through 8, a passage which talks about how we can be blinded by the darkness, and we must not allow that to happen. I don't know if you've ever been to Cave City, Kentucky, or not. I used to go through there on a number of occasions, Mammoth Cave, Kentucky. And we would stop on occasions, and you'd go through the caves, and that's another tour. The, the cavern that I mentioned this morning is at McMinnville, Tennessee. Mammoth Cave, Kentucky is in the state of Kentucky. And there you go through. It has a huge cave there. That's why they call it Mammoth Cave. And they'll take you through the cave. Do you know that there are fish in Mammoth Cave, deep down in the mountain there, down in the earth, that do not have any eyes? They don't have any eyes. They've been in the darkness so long they can't see. And they've lost the faculty of sight. Oh, they have sockets there where eyes once were. And they have semblance of eyes. But as the tour director is telling us about the trip, you've got fish down there that have been in the darkness all their life. They're not able to see. A lot of people are that way spiritually. They've been in the darkness so long that they just can't see. We need to let our light shine so they can see it. Darkness can blind you spiritually. When one is in darkness so long, it's that he just can't see it any other way. He chooses it that way. He could if he would. He could if he would read it, study it, and apply it, but he chooses not to. Peter talks about this point. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, I'm talking about Christian living and letting our light shine. And I'm talking about the power of the darkness and how that it can influence our life and how that it can actually come upon us in such a powerful way that we just won't see it any other way. We choose not to. We're free to see it the right way. We just won't do it. Now there in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, you'll recognize that particular passage as he talks a lot about um, these seven Christian graces, as we call them. And I suppose that's a good way to describe it. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, For this reason make every effort, to supplement your faith, and here he goes now, with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness. And in verse 6, and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection. Verse 7, brotherly affection with love. Now let me pause for a moment and pick up in the reading with verse 8. If you'll notice these particular matters, one builds on the other. It's not that I can have a little bit of this one and a little bit of that one. But this one facilitates that one, and then that one is built on top of that, and that was built on top of that. All of these are to be a part of my Christian life and letting my light shine. But the point of emphasis for the present is what happens to the man or the woman who just won't see. Notice what he says. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective are unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. 
So it seems pretty clear here in this passage that he's talking about people who once were obedient to the gospel. He's talking about people who at one time had obeyed the word of God, but they fell away from it. They one time had these matters, but they didn't incorporate them into their life. To put it simply, they failed to let their light shine. And when they did, they didn't appreciate the power of darkness and wickedness that's out there. And it caused them to be blind because they did not grow as they should have grown. They did not mature as they should have matured. They were blinded spiritually. Why? The power of darkness and wickedness and the pull of wickedness on our lives and our failure to be faithful to the Word of God. That will cause us to go blind, spiritually blind. Oh, we may be able to see physically. Now, the fish in Mammoth Cave, Kentucky, they're blind. They've never been able to see the light. They live in a dark, dark world in that water down there where there is no light. But I cannot help but think of the people in this world who do not appreciate, understand, recognize the power of the darkness and fail to let their light shine. Or the people who one time were obedient to the gospel and in turn have allowed that light to go out. You know, we've got to have a constant light. How can I keep that from happening? I don't want my light to go out. I want to be able to shine. Shine for the cause of Christ and shine and influence other people for Jesus Christ as Christ told me to let my light shine. To walk in the light. That's what I want to do. I cannot have a light that's on and a light that's off. You know, I've met people like that. Their Christian light was almost like a flashlight. There was a time when they'd turn the flashlight on and you need the light. But then there was a time when they just cut the flashlight off and they didn't use the light. The point being is the light needs to be a constant light. And my life as a Christian cannot be an on-again, off-again type of arrangement. But I've seen people that way. There were times when I could tell they were very interested and they were filled with desire and filled with zeal. And when they came up out of that watery grave of baptism, they sang, Oh, happy day with the rest of the congregation. But then as time began to go on, they lost the zeal. They lost the interest. They lost the desire. And then the light went out. But then maybe something happened in their life and the light came back on like a flashlight. And as the flashlight turned on, now they're shining their light. But then as time would go along, the difficulties of life, the problems perhaps one faces, the light begins to go out and it gets dimmer and dimmer. You know the most aggravating thing in the world? When you've got to read instructions on something, maybe you're putting something together and you need the instructions and the light comes on, then the light goes out. And then the light comes on, and you start, and then the light goes out again. And you got the flickering light. It's on again, off again, on again, off again. And you're just about to climb the wall. What in the world is the matter with the light? The point is, in this simple illustration, we can't allow our Christian light to be that way. It has to be a constant light. It must continue to give light 
to all that are in the house, not be on again and off again. Baptized, taught and baptized a young lady once in California. And um, we were talking about this very thing. She said, I'm so concerned. I'm so concerned that I may not remain faithful. I said, the first thing you've got to do is become faithful. And then we're going to work on you remaining faithful. How are you going to remain faithful? Well, you're going to study God's Word. You're going to assemble with the congregation. And I went through several steps. And we talked about several practical things that could be done. I went ahead and baptized her. And I was very grateful for her. And her Christian life was beginning there. Uh, The point is, she was concerned about that matter. Some people and their light. It's like a flashlight. On again, off again. If I had something to say that would encourage someone today to have a constant light and not a flashlight for a Christian life, I believe I'd just go to Matthew chapter 4 and take comfort and consolation in what happens in that fourth chapter of the book of Matthew. There, you have Jesus being tempted just like we're tempted. And you remember the story very well, how that Jesus was tempted. But with each temptation, he resists the temptation. And his light never goes out. And praise God for that. He's faithful all the way through that time. And it was a difficult time for him. The very fact that it was a temptation indicates for us (coughs) that there's that pull. There's that indication. This would be the easy way out. Turn these stones into bread. You're hungry? Go ahead and turn these stones into bread. You want to help the world? Let's feed the world. We can feed all the people in the world by turning these stones into bread. I'm told that the stones in Palestine in that particular area are like loaves of bread. When the hot sun comes down upon them and they're really hot in the summertime, sometimes they resemble loaves of bread. I've read that. I don't know if that's actually the case or not. But I know that Jesus was tempted there to turn these stones into bread. But you'll notice what he said in verse 4. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see how his light shines there? He goes directly to the word of God and receives help and strength and comfort. And he lets his light shine. And then the devil comes to him again. He's not willing to give up. He takes him to the... Uh, pinnacle of the temple. He says, cast yourself down. And he actually quotes scripture to the Lord. And he says, he will give his angels charge concerning thee, and they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. But you'll notice how Jesus answered him. Again, it is written, verse 7, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't tempt him. Don't try God. Don't test him. He said, now all the nations of the earth are yours. Takes him up to a high mountain. I give it to you all. I give all the nations of the world to you you bow down and worship me and look at the pressure that's being applied upon the Lord and you say well you know of course he's going to resist temptation he's the son of God Uh, naturally he's going to resist he's going to say no well he was fully human just like we are and if all there is is just an academic pursuit in Matthew chapter 4 then there's not much consolation and lesson in that for us But the fact of the matter is, he could have yielded to the temptation. He could have, but the wonderful fact is, he did not. 
And there in that particular instance, he says, get behind me, Satan. He says uh, in verse 10, For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. If I had some passage to go to, to help somebody with their Christian light, living for Christ in this day and time, letting their light shine, and wanting help and encouragement, I'd take it from Matthew chapter 4, and I'd look at what Jesus went through, and I'd analyze it very carefully. And I'd say, that's how you're going to overcome temptation. You're going to use the Bible as your strength and your comfort, just like Jesus did, and in turn say no to the temptation and resist the sin. God will not allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear, but with that temptation, He'll give us an avenue of escape. And with every temptation, that avenue of escape can be found for me right here in the Scripture. It may take me a while to find it. I may not know exactly where it is, but I know the help that I need is there. I can let my light shine. And I won't be like the flashlight, shining for a little while and then be out. And then shining for a little while later when the good days come. And then when the bad days come, then turn my light out. I'll have a continuous, constant light because I know the power of darkness and the wickedness in this life. One of the things that I need to remember in letting my light shine and in a very practical way, I try to remember this. I hope it'll help you. Keep the focus. Keep focused on what you need to do as a child of God. Now, I think that's what he's telling us in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. You study the Word of God, continue to apply the Word of God, and keep focused on the Word of God. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, Rightly handling the word of truth. Keep your focus on the word of God so that your light can shine in a very dark world. I think there's a second point, though, that we need to keep in mind as I begin to summarize and draw these matters to a conclusion. And that is, not only must I have the knowledge of the word of God, but I need to have a pure life. And I not only need to keep the right focus, but I need a clean reflector if I'm going to express my light to the world. First Timothy chapter 5. There he writes this particular matter to the young preacher there and gives encouragement to him and to us as well. Verse 22. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. I have that underlined in my Bible. And the passage is 1 Timothy 5 and 22. It's a good motto to live by. Keep yourself pure. How can I reflect the light of Christ if my life is not pure as it ought to be? I not only need the knowledge, which is the focus of the light, but I need a clean reflector which is a pure life and living the kind of life God wants me to live.
And as I've said already, as plainly as I know how, what good is it if we know every verse in the Bible and we can answer every argument and we know all the background to the Bible passages and we know just exactly where to go and we have all the knowledge if our life is not pure and we're not doing what God has told us to do and we don't live the light. And then there's another point that I'd like to leave you with today in this matter of letting your light shine. Do not allow any obstruction to come in place of your light. By obstruction, I mean do not allow pride. Do not allow arrogance. Do not allow ignorance. Do not allow selfishness and self-ambition to obstruct the light that we can shed for other people. And I saw that in Hebrews chapter 2, and I'd like to read it for you briefly. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed among to, according to His will. It's a great Bible passage, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And it's a Bible passage which says, Do not allow anything to obstruct your light. You're going to keep the focus which is your knowledge of the Word of God. You're going to keep a clean reflector, which is a pure life based on the Word of God. You're not going to allow anything to obstruct the light, which is the pride that wells up in my heart, the arrogant attitude which I sometimes have, and thus cause my light to be diminished. But we're going to let our light shine that others may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. That is what the Bible means by walking in the light. Live according to the truth of God's Word. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, I encourage you to do that tonight. I encourage you to repent of your sins and to confess faith in Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And by doing that, I admonish you to be baptized into Christ immersed in water for the remission of sins. And I encourage you to live the faithful Christian life. And I encourage you to do it now. Won't you come while together we stand and while we sing.